This is an ABC podcast. Right now in East Africa, a humanitarian crisis is playing out that we don't know enough about. A child's being hospitalised every minute in Somalia, where one of the worst droughts in memory has left millions without food. And things are about to get a lot worse. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Today on The Hack Podcast, we're taking you to East Africa, where a catastrophic famine is around the corner. You're going to hear from people on the ground in Somalia, their friends and family here in Australia, experts and politicians. We're asking, how do we still have people starving to death in 2022? And what's the world doing to stop it? Hack. Somalia could face a full-blown famine in less than a month. That's what the UN says. On Triple J. You know, in a world filled with bad news, sometimes it is easy to switch off. People are doing it tough around the world, we know that. But you get some real perspective when you find out hundreds of thousands of people are at risk of starvation in East Africa. One aid group has predicted by the end of the year, a person will be dying of hunger there every 36 seconds. The people of Somalia have suffered four seasons without rain and experts reckon they might not get any for a while yet. This is the worst climate crisis you've never heard about. I'm keen to hear from you if you're impacted in some way, like maybe you're from a Somali background, you've got family there, or you're a doctor or nurse or someone who wants to volunteer. You can call in 1300 055536. You can message in as well, 0439757555. In a bit, you'll hear from someone on the ground in Somalia. But first, here's Shalala Madora to explain what is going on. This is Somali mum of 10, Anab. She's talking to charity group Save the Children about the impact the drought has had on her family. They haven't had fresh food or vegetables in more than a month. Somalia is a country of 16 million people. Many of them, like Anab, live off the land. So when crops fail, millions of people are plunged into starvation. A lot of my um, extended family, they live in some of the drought-stricken regions. 23-year-old Mahad Ali was born in Australia to Somali parents. He's really worried about his friends and family. It's really difficult, the news coming out of Somalia at the moment. Pretty much a humanitarian crisis. Widespread malnutrition, droughts, lack of access to healthcare and medical supplies. Communication is patchy and often people can't contact their loved ones overseas. It's really difficult for us living here knowing that our, you know, our family and, you know, friends are over there and that they're going through all of these difficult circumstances. Those circumstances that Mahad mentioned, they're pretty dire. 90% of the country is facing uh, extreme drought. Somalia has suffered through four rainy seasons with little or no rain, and it's likely to experience a fifth and even sixth season of climate change-induced drought. The drought-affected rural Somalis are the human of the global climate emergency. That's Etienne Peter-Schmidt from the Food and Agriculture Organisation, which is part of the United Nations. He gave a press conference outlining how the drought has brought Somalia to the brink of famine. We have now 1.8 million children under five that will likely face acute malnutrition. Here's the thing about famine. Most of the people who die in them are children under the age of five. Somalia faced a similar crisis in 2011. 
and back then a quarter of a million people died. The drought this time around is even worse. I think this is the worst that we've had in four decades and it's really time to shift attention to Somalia. So people are leaving their homes in the thousands, trying to find food, water and medicine. We have uh, over one million people that have now been displaced, um, of which 80% of these displaced people are women and children. Mahad Ali says Somalis around the world have been sending money back where they can. There's so much Somali diaspora all around the world and like 90% of those people are sending you know, financial support to their loved ones back home. But that money isn't always getting to where it needs to go because the terror group Al-Shabaab controls large parts of Somalia. They're restricting the aid that was um, meant to help the people get through the famine. And the international community hasn't donated aid like it did during past crises. We are seeing famine on our watch in Somalia. And it is the first of, I fear, more to be announced in the Horn of Africa. Martin Griffiths from the United Nations told Al Jazeera that rich countries need to pay up for the climate damage they've largely been responsible for causing. Climate finance needs to come urgently. I mean, it should have come months ago. The United Nations has set a target of $2 billion to help avert a full-blown famine. If we do get good funding, we can save thousands and thousands of lives. There's no question. We've seen it done. Hack on Triple J. Shalala Madora with that update, and we're getting some messages through. Someone says, where's the $6 billion Elon Musk pledged to famine that he said he'd give if there was a plan from the United Nations? Another person says, how do we donate safely to support the Somalians? Yeah, I'm going to have a bit more info on that a bit later in the show, but you can head to Hack's Instagram and you'll find all the details there. Let's speak to someone who is in East Africa right now. ABC foreign correspondent Tom Joyner is travelling around the region covering this crisis. He is with us now. G'day, Tom. Thanks for joining us on Hack. Thanks, Dave, for having me. Look, whereabouts are you at the moment? So I'm currently in a little town called Dolo. It's right on the border between Somalia and Ethiopia. If you're sort of picturing a map of Somalia, it's on the opposite end of the country to Mogadishu, the capital. And where I'm now is in the middle of a sort of a big agricultural region. So Dolo is the centre of a sort of a region where you have a lot of people who grow their own food and raise their own livestock. What kinds of things are you seeing around you? You've been in Somalia. How is the situation looking? Well, one of the biggest consequences of this drought, Dave, has been hundreds of thousands of people uh, just in this year alone who've been pushed from their homes. And the reason for that is that, as I say, people who who own animals or grow their own food, the drought has totally decimated that as a livelihood. So they're no longer able to um, feed themselves and the small extra that they would have grown uh, to sell to make a bit of money, they're no longer able to do either. So the drought has killed animals and it's pushed people from their homes. And a lot of them are coming to these things called IDP camps. IDP stands for internally displaced person. It's kind of someone who's a refugee in their own country. And I've been to a few of them over the last few days. I was also in uh, a city called Baidoa in the, se- in the south of the country as well, where there are a number of these IDP camps. And they, they all share the same 
similar features. You can sort of picture muddy uh, roads. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of makeshift shacks. They're sort of cobbled together using sticks that have been scavenged with bits of scrap plastic. So they're not really proper housing. The rain can get through. The disease is rife in these sorts of camps. It's not really a safe place, particularly for children. And yet, um, this is to these camps that so many people are going because there's just nothing left for them back at home because of the drought. What kind of support is there on the ground? Is there a lot of international aid and organisations that you can see? A lot of the support that Somalis get uh, right across the country, but particularly in these rural and regional areas, is provided by humanitarian organisations. The Somali government isn't able to provide everything that people need in terms of uh, welfare or healthcare even. Um, A lot of the clinics where I am in Dolo are run by uh, an organisation called TroCare, which is an Irish aid organisation. So at these camps, there are outreach health workers who might go, for example, door-to-door checking on women. There are a lot of women in these camps, for example, some of whom are even pregnant. Uh, it's hard to imagine how difficult it would be to be uh, a pregnant woman in some of these conditions. They're also looking for signs of malnutrition in young children. Young children are the most vulnerable people during this drought. That's largely because a lot of them are not getting enough proper food, enough proper nutrition. So uh, in some cases where healthcare workers are able to go into these camps and they're going door to door, they use a special band. It kind of looks like a wrist pass you'd get at a festival and that slips around the upper arm of the child and there's sort of like a sliding scale on the band. The tighter the band, the higher the number, it could go into the red zone which signifies severe malnutrition. So that's uh, a sign for that healthcare worker to refer the child to get more help uh, at a a local hospital. And for these uh, malnourished children, uh, it's a really bleak prognosis. They're really close to death at that point. You can imagine Uh, They're emaciated. Um, Some of them can develop in severe cases, uh, a condition called oedema, which uh, is a swelling of the skin. So these children can be taken to places called stabilisation centres. And a lot of these are run by these international aid organisations. And at these centres, doctors give them this special kind of milk. It's made from um, a special powder formula. And that milk just helps them get back on their feet. And after a few more days, they give them something called plumpy nut, which is, you can kind of imagine those little gel sachets that cyclists chug um, when they're on big rides. It looks like that, but it's a sort of mush that tastes like peanut butter. So that's sort of the next stage. And then after about a week, most stays at the stabilization centers, the children can sometimes be discharged. The problem being, Dave, that once they're discharged, they don't really have homes to go back to. So they end up returning to these IDP camps and that's where the cycle can sort of start again. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with ABC foreign correspondent Tom Joyner, who's in Africa at the moment covering this drought and famine that's affecting huge parts of the continent. Tom, I wanted to ask you, you're speaking with people on the ground, you're speaking to locals, health professionals. What are they telling you? Are they expecting things to get a whole lot worse in the months ahead? Well, for a lot of Somalis in these regional and rural areas around Baidoa or Dolo, where I am, Dave, this sort of cycle of drought isn't 
new. They've been through several failed rainy seasons now. So I think we're now on the fifth rainy season that people are really just hoping and praying will deliver some decent rain so they can grow crops and raise their livestock again. But certainly the last four have failed. So uh, people by this point are weary, they're exhausted. A lot of people are desperate. I've met several families who uh, made the trek to some of those IDP camps on foot. They had nothing with them. Um, I met maybe, I think, two or three women who had tragically um, lost children along the way. Their children had died on the journey from their home to these IDP camps, just collapsed from uh, acute malnutrition. In some cases, those mothers had to bury their children um, in makeshift graves on the side of the road, but they had to press on to find help. So uh, these people are exhausted. They're absolutely desperate and they're crying out for help. One thing that I've noticed is that often when you hear about humanitarian appeals in Australia, it can be hard to imagine where that money goes. Over the last few days, I've been seeing exactly where that money goes, and that is to the clinics on the ground. It's paying outreach healthcare workers to check on children. It's funding the staff that work at these malnutrition stabilisation centres. It's very clear when you give to these international aid organisations that that money can do a whole lot of good. So a lot of these people I've been speaking to have been calling out for more help, uh, even if it's just something as simple as uh, they want food that they can feed their child more than one meal uh, a day. Tom, is there a sense on the ground there when you're speaking to people that they feel that their their plight, that their struggle isn't being recognised by the rest of the world, that the rest of the world's not doing enough richer countries to, to help people who are facing famine? Well, uh, some of the Somalis I've spoken to who are a little bit older will remember 2011, the last time Somalia went through a famine. And famine isn't uh, to be taken lightly. It's an extreme situation and it's really when things are at their worst. And for Somalia to be going through a second famine now, um, a lot of Somalis are, are probably having a bit of deja vu there and wondering what's going wrong that they have this in this misfortune. The mood among Almost everyone that I've spoken to is resignation, exhaustion. People just barely have the energy to talk. The interviews I've been doing are really with very people are very vulnerable, very sensitive. There's not a whole lot of hope. People don't have much of a plan. Something that I ask people when I meet them is, what What are you going to do now? No one knows. Look, it's devastating stuff that you're seeing, but we need people like you there to tell these stories. ABC foreign correspondent Tom Joyner in Somalia, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us on Hack. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Hack on Triple J. And Tom's an incredible photographer as well. He's recording many of these stories on social media. You can go follow him at tom.joiner on Instagram. We've shared some of his pics on Hack's page as well, so you can check them out there too. You're also, you'll find details on where you can donate on our Instagram as well. Hack. We are seeing famine in Somalia. Somalis are suffering a climate crisis. On Triple J. I want to chat to an expert now who can help us zoom out a bit on all of this. With us is Joshua Hallwright. Josh is the Deputy Director at the Centre for Humanitarian Leadership at Deakin Uni. Hey, Josh, thanks for joining us on Hack. Hi, Dave. Somalia is on the brink of famine, and as we just heard from Tom Joyner, that's not a word that's just thrown around, is it? What, what is the definition of famine? 
So famine, the formal definition, um, is to reach a certain number of people, or kids in this case, um, that are malnutrition, are experiencing acute malnutrition, so more than, tw- excuse me, more than 20%. Um, there's also a mortality, like people dying, uh, a figure to get to, unfortunately, um, which is two people for every 10,000 population dying every day. Uh, from starvation and just not having not being able to access enough food um, so it's a very formal definition yeah I mean has there been a lot of warning about this crisis over the past few months or even the past few years yep there's been a lot of warnings um, from Somali government from Somali civil society from those aid organizations that we heard about before so this goes back to mid 2020 so over two years of warnings. Wow, okay. I mean, it's crazy to think about. And still, there's a lot of people that don't know much about what's going on. We know there's not enough food in Somalia, but I'm wondering, is that because there's a shortage of food worldwide? Like, how much food is the world producing at the moment? The world's producing more food than ever before. Um, Literally, we're producing more food than any other year. Agricultural output around the world is is through the roof. so it's not for lack of food. Um, famines almost never are because of a, a lack of enough food being produced, a lack of access to food. And that's what we're seeing in Somalia. With all the technology and amazing work around the world that we have, it seems really strange, I guess, that you know famine is still possible in 2022. Is that a question that's being asked around the world? Like, I, I imagine in, you know, decades gone by, we've seen people who've wanted to, you know, end world hunger. It's been a big pledge, but it hasn't happened. And we're seeing that it could be worse than ever before. Why is that? There's a range of different factors. It's quite complex. Um, but at, at base level, I guess, is just that we don't have a fair food system. I mean, food prices are are very expensive at the moment because of the war in Ukraine and because of changing climate, climatic conditions, um, pesticides are more expensive, uh, a range of different factors. Um, But that access to to food and um, not having the, the buying power to purchase the food, even if it is there because it's so expensive, means that famine is unfortunately a reality and and I completely agree with you, Dave, it shouldn't be a reality in 2022. We're starting to see a bit more media coverage on this drought and the looming famine, but not as much as you would expect for the scale of what's happening here. Like, let's be honest. Why do you think, Josh, that is, that we don't see the media coverage that we do for other events? Perhaps because there's just so many different things going on in the world that are demanding our attention. Um, I've already mentioned the war in Ukraine. There's um, famine very, very likely in Somalia and the rest of the Horn of Africa. There's also a war in Ethiopia. There's things going on in um, horrific situations in Yemen. More than the population of Australia needs life-saving assistance in Yemen. Uh, Afghanistan is a whole range. And so trying to make sense of that and trying to uh, figure out where to put your attention, I think is really, really hard. We've got some messages coming through. Somebody says, I donate to the UNHCR on a weekly basis, recently increased the amount I donate after the flooding in Pakistan. 
I can't see how anything will get any better in the years to come with climate change looming. People in these disadvantaged countries will suffer the most. What can be done? Another person, Bell in Newcastle, says whoever wins lotto, please help Somalis. How much money would it take to put a dent in helping? And Josh in Newcastle says Somalia, Ethiopia, Yemen, Afghanistan, these famines are an indictment of global capitalism. I was speaking with Josh Hallwright from Deakin Uni. Josh, I want you to stay with us. I'm going to come back to you. But first, we've actually got a politician from Somalia with us on the line now. Mohamed Ahmed is a federal member of the Somali parliament. Mohamed Ahmed, thank you very much for joining us on Hack today. Mohammed, if you can if you can hear me, I'm just wondering, for many Australians, they're just hearing how bad things are in your country at the moment, but you've been dealing with this crisis for years. How much pressure is the government of Somalia under at the moment? Uh, thanks, Dave, for the invite, and I uh, really appreciate ABC giving us this time. Uh, most of the international news are not giving us these timelines because of the Ukraine war, the oil prices, and the uh, the Ethiopian war and all this. Uh, yes, uh, the government is under pressure. And uh, as you are aware that uh, we recently, we recently uh, elected a new government uh, under the leadership of President Hassan Sheikh Mahmoud on 15th of May 2020. Uh, the president uh, has done an exemplary job. Uh, he immediately nominated an advisor or a, an envoy, a special envoy for drought, awareness and advocacy, who is now going around the world uh, showcasing the plight of all this catastrophic drought in Somalia. Uh, the pressure is on. Uh, as uh, a member of parliament, I re- every day I get calls, I attend people's IDP. For example, I come from a constituency located in Southwest, where your reporter Tom Jaina went in Baidabo. And uh, every day where I live in my office in, in Mogadishu, I get calls and I have to attend to IDPs who are newly arrived, mainly children and women, very weak, uh, starved, malnourished, and uh, life is tough for them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're hearing that, uh, you know, through all of this reporting, life is so tough. And, you know, um, the Somali government, um, you say, is under quite a bit of pressure at the moment. Has the government been preparing for this, though? I mean, in the years that there have been warnings, have there been preparations underway for, you know, the famine that we could see very soon? Yeah, Uh, good question, yeah. The government, the, the the government doesn't have all that capacity. Yes, uh, they were well, well prepared, but they can only support so much here. As uh, your reporter said, most of the aids, uh, there's no international uh, support. Mostly, what you have is just a humanitarian NGO supporting us, and the government budget or the government uh, capacity is limited. Uh, as you know, Somalia just came out of a civil war, and it's still uh, calling to become. Uh, uh, self-sufficient, so there were a lot of uh, support, a lot of plan, but again, this is a catastrophe. It is. Uh beyond their capacity yet. Well, it's not just, as we've heard, the climate issues that you're facing in Somalia. There are also security issues with Al-Shabaab, which is a militant Islamist group. It controls many villages. What kind of impact is that having on people? Like, is Al-Shabaab stopping Somalians from getting help? Yes, uh, that, that's really what's happened in some... Uh, Al-Shabaab controls some part of the country and... Uh, to get aid into those countries, to get aid in those towns, uh, it's impossible. Faster, the infrastructure, the infrastructure of the roads network is not that great. In addition, we have Al Shabaab who are in control, who doesn't want to 
aid to come into that region or that area. So people will leave their houses to trade for uh, 40, 50 kilometers just to get a day's food or bring the children to feed into an IDPs. So security is an issue. And the capacity is not there from government perspective. And then we have security issue. And also we don't have uh, and a very good international response. And uh, as Tom Jonas said, look, this is a catastrophe of a million people are starving. Uh, I know the UN declares a famine when two people die out of 10,000, as Joshua said, probably they're already dying. Only that the data is not there because no one can travel to the countryside where they live. Uh, if I give you a perspective of where my constituents are, I know families who had 300 camels just a few years back, and now they are zero. They're in IDPs in Mogadishu. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, really dramatic stuff that we're hearing. Just finally, Mohammed Ahmed, you've been in Australia recently. Does it surprise you how little people here in Australia are talking about what's happening in your country in Somalia? Uh, very much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I came, I came like uh, three weeks ago and uh, I am uh, not many people are aware of what's happening in Somalia, how people are dying, starving, the uh, drought crisis and all those. And I think partially, but one is people are, the media, which will have been, you know, and been uh, informative, are uh, more occupied with the Ukraine war and the oil prices, and obviously the other politics. So, the Somalia probably are not coming on the headlines. They'll be on the fourth page or the fifth page of the news, and uh, that's why I think there's not a lot of. Um, Awareness in Somalia. I mean, in Australia, yeah. Yeah, Mohammed Ahmed, we very much appreciate you taking the time to speak with us, federal member of the Somali Parliament. Our thoughts, you know, are with your country and its people at this horrible time. Thank you for joining us on Hack today. Uh, thanks, David, and I really appreciate and pass my appreciation to ABC News for highlighting this catastrophic issue that's happening in Somalia. Thank you, Mohammed. We're going to go back now to Josh Hall-Wright, who's with the Centre for Humanitarian Leadership at Deakin Uni. Josh, we just heard from Mohammed Ahmed about the situation in Somalia, what's needed. How much do we need to address this? Like, how much money do we need to address this drought and potential famine? Is there a, a figure on it? Yeah, there is. The, the UN coordinates a funding ask, uh, and I think it's around $2.3 billion is required it's received about a billion dollars, so there's still a huge gap to to provide enough money to to literally save people's lives. What are countries like Australia doing? No, not very much, unfortunately. Um, I think recently the Australian government has contributed around fifteen million dollars um, through a couple of different channels to the the crisis in the Horn of Africa, in the whole region. So it's not just focused on Somalia. But that $15 million pales into insignificance when you consider that the need, the outstanding need is over a billion dollars. We've got some messages coming through. Someone says rich countries like ours will never do enough. Another person says we don't have a food shortage. We have food inequality. In one side, we're practically throwing out good food while some others can't even get any. That was Mohammed. Um, I wanted to ask you, Josh, do we see rich countries giving less, do you think, because increasingly they have their own disasters to deal with, like floods and bushfires here, that sort of thing? I think that probably plays into it and the the focus of the effects of climate change in Australia are really horrific and very, very difficult. But we do have the resources to respond to that, to 
reduce our emissions, to put in place different disaster preparedness um, things and build the resilience of communities. So our Australian federal budget is around $600 billion a year. Somalia's is around $1 billion. Right. Um, and so the, the resources required are, are really, really different. Um, but Australia, it's, it's the world's most food secure country. And you know, we, we have an obligation, I think, um, and, and the capacity to be able to help people that are much less fortunate than ourselves. And just finally, Josh, we've talked a bit on Hack before about richer countries compensating poorer countries for the effects of climate change and things like loss and damage financing because Somalis produce a tiny amount of greenhouse gas emissions compared to other countries. How big of an issue do you think this is going to become in the next couple of years as climate talks really, you know, intensify? It's going to be a huge issue. It's already formally on the agenda for COP27, which will be in Egypt next month. It's the first time that it's the loss and damage conversations have really been given prominence in these talks, but they were included in the Paris Declaration. So, you know, there's been many, many years where many different countries and, and colleagues from around the world have been trying to get those countries and corporations that emit the most um, carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases to, to pay their dues, to, to be able to... Um, you know, provide the assistance to people who bear the brunt of um, a changing climate. Well, look, it's, you know, a lot of information, but it's a crisis we do need to be talking about. Josh Hall-Wright from the Centre for Humanitarian Leadership at Deakin Uni, I really appreciate you offering all your insight and joining us on Hack today. Thanks, Dave. Hack on Triple J. Look, it's been a lot of information, but it's a crisis we need to be talking about. And if you're wondering how you can help people in Somalia and other parts of East Africa, Hack's got some details of where you can donate on our Instagram. You can go there now for the full rundown. A huge thanks again to all of our guests. That is all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time.